Would you please pray with me? Because what I want to preach on today has to be understood. And if it's not understood, everything we do as Catholics doesn't make sense. So what I want to do is I want to pray for the Lord to give me the gift of tongues, to speak these words eloquently in a way that you can understand, but also for you to be given the gift of interpretation so that nothing I say is misunderstood. So if you please pray with me in the silence of your hearts and ask for the Holy Spirit to come. We just celebrated Pentecost a couple weeks ago, and we need the Holy Spirit because, again, what the Holy Spirit does is makes Jesus real to us. So please join me by praying the words, Come, Holy Spirit, three times. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Heavenly Father, I ask that you send forth your Holy Spirit upon me and everybody here. Please give me the gift of tongues. Help me speak the words that are truly divine. And please help everybody here as they mourn and grieve the loss of Father Ted, as they pick up branches from the storms that went through, And as we come before your son, Jesus, especially in his word and in his body, blood, soul, and divinity in the Holy Eucharist, please speak to us, Heavenly Father, in a way that we can understand that will actually transform us as the body, as the bread is transformed into the body of Jesus in Mass and the wine is transformed into the blood of Jesus at Mass. We make all these prayers in Jesus' name, who is Lord and Savior forever and ever. Amen. Before Mass, I I walked around the campus of the church just to see what was the damage like. As often as a new priest, it's kind of how it feels sometimes because I would say ever since the 1960s, and you can even look before that, it's been like a mass exodus out of the church, and it always feels like everything's just falling apart. I have you had that feeling before, but that's how it feels sometimes. As a priest, I'll celebrate my five-year anniversary of being a priest on July 1st. It's felt like five years of being a priest. It's felt like 10 years of being a priest. And sometimes it feels like I've just been a priest yesterday, ordained a priest yesterday. But often, the image of trees as I was driving here, I knew storms came through here. Maybe you've been picking up branches and trying to figure out what, what are going on. But sometimes it's a good thing that storms go through because there's a lot of dead life in these trees. Dead life is obviously an oxymoron. But the branches, when the wind comes, they break so easily. It was just a matter of time. But how come nobody pointed out earlier? And then when we look at branches, which is an interesting image, uh, they do a lot of good things. Obviously, the birds can sit on them, and right, they can, they can have leaves or, or needles grow off of them. It's fine. They, they can offer us some shade. But one thing they do is sometimes they block our vision of what's really going on around us. Notice how Jesus in our gospel today, he takes the five loaves and the two fish, and he looks up to heaven. Notice how he doesn't look down like a lot of us do and think, oh my gosh, we're going to hell in a handbasket. Oh my gosh, look at this problem, look at that problem. No, he looks up to heaven. And that's what I want us to do in this, in this homily. I want us to look up to heaven and to be, to be really honest with ourselves. To be really honest with ourselves. Where are, where are you? Where are you at? Are you here merely out of obligation? Or are you here out of love? Because what we have as Catholics, as we celebrate this major feast day, we believe that every single Mass on this altar, heaven comes down as we look up. Like our God is so much more humble than us, but if we get, if we get bombarded by the negativity, if we get bombarded by looking down so much, 
we forget how good we have it. Even the word Eucharist means thanksgiving. And if you don't want to grow in your faith, don't be grateful. But look, look around your town as I was talking to Barb earlier this week, asking how are things going. She's talking about how the town comes together, how people come together to help each other pick up the branches, pick up the mess, right? That's kind of what it feels like sometimes as we are entering into this feast day. Because if we understood what we believe as Catholics, and sometimes, again, as a priest, it's, it's a mystery, right? Like, how could our God be so huge, amazing, big, yet make him so small on this altar? If we let that sink from our head to our heart in faith, it changes everything we do, and these pews would be packed. But where are people right now? Some people cleaning up a mess. Okay. Some people are playing sports right now. Why are we allowing this? Knowing that you and I are created for this Eucharistic love. We're created for union with God. But sometimes we are like those branches that have fallen off. And no one came around to help us. Look at the pandemic in the past two years. It was one of the most disheartening things as a priest. Because I thought for sure people would be calling my cell phone all the time saying, Father, we need the Eucharist. We need the Eucharist. We're dying out here. We need the Eucharist. But a lot of us started looking down and started looking at all the fear, right? We started looking at all the fear. And we started walking in fear. And one of the studies that recently came out, it said that people that kept their faith, people that kept their relationship with Jesus strong during the pandemic, their mental health is much higher than people who had no relationship with God or no faith or never had faith. Their mental health is extremely low right now. So there's even benefits to your state of being, your psyche, if you believe in what we believe in, if you remain connected, the branch, to the tree. But I think for a lot of us, uh, we've never been connected There's some interesting statistics that I'd like to quick share with you um, because I think it's important that you and I know the truth. And I just want to ask you, would you rather have have me tell you the truth knowing it might hurt a little bit? Or would you rather have me lie to you and make you feel good? Who in here would like to hear the truth? Okay, well, 99% of us, amen. It's a good and beautiful thing. I just want to share some statistics with you Because I think it's really important that you and I live in the truth. Because feelings come and go. Feelings come and go, and feelings are not a bad thing, right? But we need to know the truth. Did you know that about 10 years ago, there was a study done in our diocese, Diocese of Green Bay, and people were interviewed and asked this question. They were asked, can you tell me about your relationship with Jesus? And 80% of people were unable to do that to consider themselves Catholic. Like, how can you go to Mass for 50, 60, 70, 80 years and not know how to talk about your relationship with your best friend? That, like, makes no sense to me. And that's where we're at. A lot of branches have fallen off. Only two, one, two, two percent of Catholics habitually go to the sacrament of confession. This is like where we encounter the love and mercy of God and we, we've, we, our identity is confirmed as being a beloved son and a beloved daughter, and we're able to forgive and be set free. But only 2% of Catholics habitually, when I mean habitually, I mean at least once a month or every six months go to, go to confession. For anyone involved in faith formation, I encourage you to just to peek your ears up for a second here. So I'm a college chaplain. This one always confuses me. 
For those who have been confirmed in the Catholic Church by the age of 23, only 18% still consider themselves a practicing Catholic at the age of 23. So that means 82% of confirmed Catholics by the age of 23 completely abandon the faith. So it's kind of like, why would we keep doing what we're doing? Why are we allowing these, these damaged branches to not, to not come back and be healed? And it's Father's Day. If there's one thing that's super, super sad in our world today is just the lack of fathers. And one thing about our parents is they can only give what they received. Same thing for you and I. We can only give what we received. So if your parents never received love, they couldn't give you love. And yesterday, I was even out in downtown Oshkosh. I go out and street evangelize. I love the Lord Jesus. I like to share with people. And we we had a question on a sandwich board. You can imagine what 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 that looks like. And it just said, what is your favorite relationship with or of your dad? Father's Day, right? And the amount of people, when we asked them that question, when they're standing by us, that said, I don't have any, or I never had a dad, is super sad. And for those of us who consider ourselves Christians amongst all denominations, whether you're Catholic, Evangelical, or Protestant, here's a statistic that's really important that always strikes me to the heart. It says that fathers that pray with their families, go to church every Sunday with their children, increase their child's percentage of being a lifelong Christian by 80%. So that means if dad goes to church with their child, the chance of them actually being a lifelong Catholic or Christian is 80%. When only mom brings a child, there's no like, I'm not poo-pooing on moms because sometimes it's not your choice, you don't have a dad, but it's only 5% if the mom brings them every Sunday. And that's just the effect that a father has on his children. And again, just look at the baseball fields. Look at the soccer fields right now. Look at the basketball courts on Sundays. Golf, golf, went past the golf course, and there's plenty of people on the golf course right now. They're packed. And even worse, you and I allow it. We're too afraid to tell people the truth that there's a better way to life. And as we go into this next three years, there's a, we're going to be focusing on, as a, as a diocese and a church in the United States, having what we're calling a Eucharistic revival. A revival. What does a revival mean? It means you take something that's dead and you revive it. You take something that's supposed to be on fire and you set it on fire. Because this statistic's going to come out, this one, I was just told this one, and I was told, don't tell people this, but that's just not how I roll. And it's, the statistic was 50% of people that go to church on Sunday don't believe in the true presence of the Eucharist, Period. That means every other person in this church, one does and one doesn't. This is a, a core belief, and it, it, yes, it takes a lot of faith to believe in what we believe, but if we're looking down and we're not having our eyes raised to heaven, it's super hard to believe. But when God spoke in Genesis, in the first book of, Gen- in the first book of the Bible, he spoke and it happened. And we believe as Christians that Jesus is God. So when Jesus speaks, it happens. So when Jesus, as we heard about in our second reading day from St. Paul in his letter to the Corinthians, when he handed on this tradition, he said, if you want to remember me, do this. Take a piece of bread, have a priest, take a piece of bread, stand in my person and speak the words, this is my body, which has been given up for you for the forgiveness of sins, right? Takes a chalice with wine and says, this is my blood, So when Jesus speaks through his priest to this day, 
The accidents remain, but Jesus is truly there. And just ask yourself, do you believe? And if you don't, I just want to encourage you to ask for an increase in faith. I just want to give you just one last thing to think about as we enter into this time of Eucharistic revival. I'd like you to imagine that you have cameras all over this church because your church has been picked to say, does this parish believe in the true presence of Jesus in the Holy Eucharist, right? And for three years, they're going to have all this data looking at you, right? All these cameras, all these microphones around the church, not like communist cameras, but just to show proof, right? And they're going to say, do they believe by the way they come into church to know that they're, do they know that they're in a holy place when they dip their fingers in the holy water, when they genuflect to the tabernacle, which contains the body, blood, soul, and divinity of God, Jesus. When they listen to the word of God, are they truly listening to be transformed? Are they just going through the motions? With the way they dress, do they, do they dress up better for work and for weddings than they do for mass? And then how they pay attention at Mass, to the homily. Are they really looking to be fed? Are they really looking for a challenge to be encouraged to grow? Or would they just rather be lied to and feel good? And then when fathers at the altar, are they aware that the words are primarily plural? Plural, which means you are called to offer with the priest. You're called to offer your prayers, yourself, on this altar with the priest. It's a very intentional thing. And then also cameras around the priest. Does it look like Father even believes what he's doing up here? Does it look like the priest has a clue as to what he's been handed on to do, as St. Paul talked about in our second reading? It's been handed on to me. Is he aware that he's called to hand on this amazing mystery of love in the Holy Eucharist? And then when you come down the aisle, do you come down the aisle with any awareness of what is before you? When the priest says Corpus Christi, which we celebrate Corpus Christi Sunday or the body of Christ, is it I just put up my hand or I open my mouth and I make the sign of the cross and I leave and I start chomping on Jesus like he's a Dorito? Let's just repeat that for a second. Repeat these words. Jesus is not a Dorito. Amen. So when we receive Jesus, do we treat him like a potato chip? There's so much irreverence. You know, if these cameras are around at this court, for this court case to, to prove that we believe, that's a great place to look. Or when people leave right after communion. Like if you want to prove to me that you don't believe, like just walk out the doors after you receive the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus. Like, that should make us come back to our, our pew, which is why we kneel, and we should just be at total awe as we let the Lord rest on our tongue, and we don't chew on him like he's a Dorito, and we receive him, we think, oh my gosh, you love me this much. Please help me receive your love and give your love away this week. Please help me with these things that are going on in my life. It should be just a moment of deep, deep divine intimacy. But so often, you and I, 
we are more like robots than a person who has been redeemed and encountered a living person of Jesus. Again, why? Because our eyes are down and they're not raised up to heaven as Jesus does so often for us when he prays. So I have a few challenges for you as we head into this Eucharistic revival. As you can tell, I'm not okay with the status quo. I'm not okay with, you know, the Lord be with you. Oh, with your spirit. Like, like, let's wait. Like, we have so much to be grateful for. And we should be alive. And we should be so full of joy and peace and many emotions at Mass. But it should, we should never be like, and with your spirit. Right? We should be like, and with your spirit. Right? That means the Lord, that God is with you. And when we leave these pews, when we walk out of here, when you start getting your car, does, is there any sense of the Lord still being with you? Or are we just living that only when I'm in the four walls of the church building, then I'm Catholic. But when I leave here, it's foul language. I'm looking forward to doing crazy things. And I'm not living in relationship. So my first challenge for each of you is to pray daily. To pray daily. Because people that are in relationship, they talk to each other every day. Just how it works. I just want to encourage you just by starting with those words that I began with, just to pray the words, come Holy Spirit. And to spend five minutes in silence a day, put the technology away, and just ask for the Spirit to come with you. And the first sign of God's Spirit being with you is peace. And who in here, by raising your hand, would like more peace in their life? Amen, right? But also the Holy Spirit, as we prepare for Pentecost, all the readings said the Spirit of truth, the Spirit of truth, the Spirit of truth. Because... If something doesn't feel good, it doesn't mean it's not God. Or if something does feel good, that doesn't mean it is God. But we know it because our hearts are created for the truth, and we, we all know the truth. We all know it deep down inside, what's right and what's wrong. So I'd encourage you to do that. The second thing I want to challenge you with, I want to challenge you to do something that I did for my parish when I was up in Anago for three years. But I challenge the people to start receiving communion on their tongue for the next three months. Some people are like, what? You want me to do what? Well, just think about this for a second. Since the 1960s, which communion on the hand was never allowed before that. And if any particle of God who loves me infinitely is still on my hand, what I should be doing after I receive communion is I should be licking my thumb and licking my fingers and licking my hand after I receive communion because I wouldn't want any part of him to fall around the church. Or Jesus says, let the children come to me, right? When you're a child, at the youngest ages, parents take a spoon and they feed the child. Same thing as a priest, I'm called to feed you, so you receive the Lord on your tongue. But try that for three months as a part of your own Eucharistic revival. The third challenge I have for each of you is to never complain again. Question. What good does complaining do? Do, 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 do. Right? You hear the Jeopardy song going off? Like when I start complaining, I don't even like being around myself. We have so much to be grateful for, but our world keeps telling us that everything's going to hell in a handbasket if our eyes are looking down. But if you and I raise our eyes to heaven, we actually have so much to be grateful for. 
There are Christians in Africa that were all, they had 50 people in a church that were murdered last week, right? Have you heard about that? We have so much to be grateful for. So prayer every day. Come Holy Spirit three times and just sit in silence for five minutes and have a conversation with God. What's going on inside? The third one, or second one, is receiving the Lord on your tongue in the Holy Eucharist for the next three months. And again, I'm not saying you have to do this. I'm just challenging you to try something different because what we're doing isn't working. And the third, third one, what was the third one? No complaining, right? So that means you can't complain about me anymore. <laughs> but just try that. And instead of complaining, start turning to thanks and praise in God. But the thing is, I want to end with, is 1 Corinthians 13.4 says, love is patient. And so often when we make these changes, we want instant results, but that's not the way the Lord works. It takes time. But think if you and I start making these changes, we start raising our eyes to heaven, we start praying daily, we start receiving him as if he's not a Dorito or a potato chip, and we actually stop complaining, and we start thanking and praising God. What could our world look like? What could this parish look like in the next five years? What could your relationships look like in the next five years? Our Alleluia verse said this. I am the living bread that came down from heaven, says the Lord. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. Heaven, at every single mass, comes down to earth because God loves you. He loves you so much that he's willing to make himself that small. And he wants you to know the truth, but the truth cuts to the heart. And maybe that's what we need is our hearts to be cut open again and to receive that truth. So pay attention at this Mass. Just imagine if there were cameras and microphones around. Would people actually be convinced by the way we pray at this Mass, by the way we receive him in the Eucharist, by the way we, when we exit here that we actually believe? Or would we be found guilty of not believing? We ask that the Holy Spirit fall upon us and give us a spirit of reverence, which means deep respect at what's happening here. It is an extreme gift that we should be grateful for, that we get to receive the body, blood, soul, and divinity of God who loves you that much that he'd make himself so small. So we take a moment of silence and maybe just gaze upon this altar and ask the Lord to help you focus and ask the Lord to help you pay attention and say, is that all real? Is that what we actually believe as Catholics? And do I believe? Have I been going through the motions? And if you haven't gone through the motions, been kind of like a robot, you're not acting like a person who's been redeemed or experienced the love of God, I can guarantee you all he wants you to do is just repent and say, Lord, I'm sorry for going through the motions. So we take a moment just to pause and gaze upon this altar and maybe just do that simple thing of repenting, telling the Lord, I'm sorry for going through the motions. And if you don't believe it's him, don't be afraid to be real and raw and just ask him, is it really you, Jesus? Have I been receiving you without a clue of who you are for the past 10, 15, 20, 30, 40 years of my life? If your eyes are raised to heaven, he'll answer you. Amen.